Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 2nd of March 2020. Last week, I decided at the start to kind of half mention coronavirus and pretend I wasn't going to talk about it. We'd mentioned it previously and said it's going to be a big issue. Well, obviously, now the media have got their teeth into it. We're all whipping ourselves into a frenzy. And it is having a direct effect on stock markets. And our market is falling in sympathy with that. It is definitely coronavirus related. Where we go to next with it, I don't know. I mean, the dynamic of having whole areas shut down like in northern Italy conjures images of lorry drivers not being allowed to pick up wheat from certain places and certain mills can't get supplies and then animals can't eat and how much thinking has gone into the whole process. We're about to find out. We're informed by the government that they're well prepared on everything and uh, I've got to say I don't believe a word of that. Cynicism and oldness go hand in hand. Other things that aren't helping your price at the moment, there was a report out yesterday from the International Grains Council that headline says, sees a record world wheat crop in 2021. Again, we've mentioned previously that the upside to your new crop prices is really in the rest of the world having a problem. We've already got £20 in our market above where we should be relative to our normal place. In other words, when we have a surplus, we are cheaper than French, 10, 12 pounds a tonne. And at the moment, we're about nine pounds a tonne more expensive than French as a comparative price on Nov and Deck wheat. So in other words, the floods, the misery that you've endured and the fact the stuff isn't in the ground is already in the prices you are being bid. What's stopping the market from going any higher is the chance that we have, we being the country, to buy other things to replace our wheat. So corn or other wheat or whatever can come in and it's a ceiling or a saucepan lid on the top of the market. So if the rest of the world is going to have, quote, record world wheat crop, it doesn't particularly bode well at this point for um, prices going through the roof. So just have that in the back of your head and have a close look. I mean, I appreciate yields are down. Is 160 or £155 pounds a tonne enough on the reduced yield you're expecting to make a profit? That's for your maths and your uh, finger in the air guessing what the weather's going to do next. Uh, down to you, basically, is what I'm saying. So let's give you some prices. Feed barley, scratch record, 25x spot, 27x May. Had it, ain't going up. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Oilseed rape, 320, scratch record number two. It's the same as the last few weeks. We've just bought some bits and pieces. It's vegetating. We, We don't expect any downside. We hope for a bit of upside, but it's vegetating. And the crop in the ground, in lots of cases, it's really beginning to grow in some areas. But some of the fields are beginning to look particularly sick. And there's lots of photos of people splitting open rape plants showing the larvae of the lovely flea beetle. So some of the crops are actually kind of going backwards in a sense. We are positive on new crop prospects because we don't think the yield is going to be there. That crop is getting smaller on the basis of the damage being done by those lovely little bugs. So that moves swiftly on. Record speed market report this week. Feed wheat, 
that's quite an interesting one. It's not really being engaged with the market uh, by farmers at the moment. And I think they probably should be. Of all of the markets that should go down, old crop wheat is probably the one. You can carry it into new crops, sort of, but there's not much of a carry. And there is a surplus. The math says that there was a 16 million tonne wheat crop and we've exported a million and we used 12 and a half. So there's kind of some spare tonnage floating out there in somebody's barn that he's saying, oh, I'm not selling that, I'll carry it. But I don't know, will he? Will, will he leave all of that in there and not have any space for next year's crop? Or will it finally come out when... I don't know. It's all about psychology, and I, I've, this is one of those moments I don't get the farmers thinking. He's not busy at the moment because he can't be, although I did see a sprayer going this morning on a field, which I guess he was spraying off ready for his uh, spuds in about three or four weeks' time. So Skyton in Norfolk has farm activity. Yeah, so in effect, I think there is a surplus of wheat, too much to meet what has still yet to be bought by the consumer, who is sitting out and buying month by month. I think there's a car crash on old crop wheat coming. So I don't, I don't mean it's going to drop £20 a tonne, but I think, you know, 150 has been a good price. It's not really quite there, X Farm, anymore. You're in the 40s now, so spot wheat's about 146 and I wouldn't pay any more for April and probably might pay 47 for May and 48 for June. And they are really punchy prices. So, well, we'll see. As I start recording this, the market's just opened and it is looking very weak this morning. So uh, I'll put a caveat in that I think the market is going to come down and these prices will be wrong by the time you hear them. Anyway, with that very cheerful and happy thought, I hope you uh, keep taking your vitamin C, go jogging, don't meet any other people, don't let anyone who's been travelling anywhere near you, and um, be as judgmental as you can on anyone who might be passing the virus around. Have a lovely week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This morning, I have got with me the only farmer that I actually went to school with. So, good morning, Roger Jones. Good morning, Andrew. And um, I must say, you've weathered fairly well over the years. Well, it's nice to see that the pair of us has retained our boyish good looks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shame about the hair. So, Roger and I were in the same village. I moved to South Walsham in 1973, and your family had been farming there for a a while before that. Yes, I'm the the fourth generation to be be at our farm. And your farm is on the edge of... Of the marshes and the lovely South Walsham Broad. Indeed. So, first concern, my favourite pet subject, when the tide comes in, will the whole thing be underwater or will you be just above it? The farm itself, some land is in the floodplain. We've got some arable marshes which are obviously in the floodplain below river level. But the upland, most of it would have to be extremely flooded before it became a problem. Yeah, it's a pet subject that my colleagues in the office just think I'm nuts over. But the reality is the sea will come over the seawall at some point, won't it? At some point, 
The riverbanks have been strengthened, but it's the sea defences that need shoring up. And um, although there's many, many millions being spent on the riverbanks, the broadland flood alleviation problem, it's a case of fiddling while Rome burns. Absolutely, Roger. You know, that's fantastically put. At the moment, if someone was to suddenly appear on television with all of the floods going on in the West Country and say, do you know what, there's a really bigger issue going on in coastal erosion. We're allowing the cliffs the edge of Haysborough, to erode away and we were going to end up with the sea coming over the top at Cart Gap or somewhere in that area. Mm. And if you were working on dry land at this point, it would be a lot easier than trying to work actually in the sea, wouldn't it? It most certainly would. It would save you several millions or billions of pounds to actually do the process now. The time when the government will appear on telly is at the point when the sea has breached the seawall, won't it? Well, we might get a visitation from a minister when everything has happened and all the businesses have been ruined and the people have had to be moved on. And um, I'm afraid that's the case. Strategy and planning. So everyone's planned for coronavirus, apparently. Do you feel really confident in that? It will come. It's spreading around the world. But it's nice to see that the manufacturers of Bill Vimto and Iron Brew have deemed their products safe for consumption. Is that relevant to uh, coronavirus? Coronavirus. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Come along, Andrew. (laughs) Let's talk about the school, actually, because, you know, we went to a a marvellous academy, didn't we? We most certainly did, yes. Um, A varied catchment area. Akel Secondary Modern, that it was, that in our time transformed into... Akel High School. It did indeed. Obviously, we were model pupils, and that set the seed for that transition. Unlike Eton, we haven't had any prime ministers from our school yet, have we? Not as far as I know. No, no. I can't see that coming either in a hurry. Well, you never know. Strange things happen. Anyway, it was a den of incredible learning. If you bothered to attend, Roger, I'd like to discuss your attendance record. I used to go on Tuesdays because we had woodwork in the morning (laughs) and metalwork in the afternoons. But... um, other than that, I wasn't a great attender. I was, I was at home um, being taught my craft. D- which was? Uh, farming. Just on woodwork, Quincy O'Brien. That was his name, wasn't it? It was. Little Welsh fella, obviously. I bet he yes. loved you, didn't he, if you like woodwork? He didn't show me a great deal of attention because he knew my capabilities, I think. Were you not good at it then? No. Not woodwork, no, but I used to have, to have a go. I bet but, I was worse. But I, it was only a, only because we had metalwork at some point during the day that I used to attend the woodwork class, really, because uh, to go to school for half a day is not really on, is it? <laughs> you, know, you need to do one day a week at least, don't you? I hated woodwork. I hated it. It took me three and a half years to make the teapot stand that everyone made in the first year. The rest of my school career, I made a tray, and just before I left school, I took the tray home, and my mother threw it away. She, she threw it away. I was so wounded. That tray meant... Well, sacrilege, wasn't well, it? Well, I've spent so many hours like hiding in the wood cupboard at the back, pretending to look for a bit of wood, mm. learn all sorts of tricks about how not to work. Sorry. Well, we've got, we've got to talk about farming, haven't we? So, Rog, tell me. Let's ask the, the question that farmers hate to be asked. How many acres do you farm? At the moment, I'm only farming about 120 acres of arable for myself, but I do another farm up the road of a couple of hundred acres for somebody else. Okay, and obviously with a load of people that I work with, I'm told that you cannot make a living unless you've got God knows how many acres. But, you know, 300, 320 or 120 plus of work on the side is not enough. So are you bankrupt, Roger? No, I'm not bankrupt, but I do some work for the local drainage board. I do some work for the Norfolk Wildlife Trust, and I dodge about. This is the point. Do you get sniffed at by some of the more landed gentry? Do they kind of go, you're not a proper farmer? Not that I know of. They probably see me as a diddler, as they used to say. But um, 
I'm happy. You know, I well, keep, keep my head above the water. Look, we're going straight to the absolute. That is the absolute point. Happy. Your face is covered in laughter lines. You're renowned for being polite, charming, and utterly happy. You're obviously keeping your head above water, as you put it. Mm-hmm. That's a profit. You're not supposed to be at making a profit, I'm told. What's the trick? Overheads, Andrew. Okay. I do it all myself. Well, that's not strictly true. I do have someone come and help me in the autumn do a bit of ploughing when we're mm-hmm. busy. The rest I manage to do by myself. I do have a contractor come in and lift my sugar beet. I have a contractor come in and do my combine harvesting yep. at home. you just got to knuckle down, try and do as much as you can yourself, and like I said, try and keep a lid on your overheads if you can. But it is becoming more and more difficult. There's more and more like assurance schemes, this, that and the other. There are more and more people looking in from the outside who all want a draw from yeah. your pot. Yeah, just beyond your control. Yeah, if, because if it's they enforced can upon you. Bully you into it. I can see the point. Trade assurance schemes are good in a context to make people do things properly in terms of storage, but there is a point at which it can go too far, and it's not in the interest of the farmer, it's in the interest of bigger business. Let's cut to the chase. Grain assurance is what I'm in, the red tractor scheme. I'm not against it by any means, but some of the questions I get asked are absolutely ridiculous and not at all relevant to me producing grain, storing grain, or producing my crop at all. Even my assessor sometimes looks over top of his glasses and says, who ever thought of some of these questions? Do ordinary people get the chance to change that? Not really. Everyone just kind of goes, not right, that I know just of. tick the box. No, not that I know Just of. get me through, tick. That's right, yeah. 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 Have you ever seen a rat? Oh, no. <laughs> well, if we see one, we have to record it. And, and, uh... yeah. I saw a rat once. Did you? <laughs> Was it a big one? <laughs> Thick as my arm. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up the other side of the village. We were tenants, and there were five kids with 78 acres that we lived off. Oh, it was a million years ago. But the expectation of money, you know, the expectation of what you get for your efforts... Mm. There isn't necessarily a link, is there? My dad, who's still with us, but, you know, not for much longer, bless him, he lived a life of a farmer, Mm. and he wanted to be a farmer, and that made him happy. So that was it. Farming is a lifestyle, without a doubt. Mm. It is a way to get a living. The smaller farmer seems to have a different outlook. Okay. I'm not knocking big farmers by any means. Those that have got lots and lots of acres, good luck to them. I don't know, there's something about smaller farmers. The fact that they are enjoying the process. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Yeah. Life, yeah. life I is think a journey. I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I think the smaller farmer days are numbered. Yeah. I think it will turn into agribusiness, larger farms. and um, There's a lot to be lost in that process. There's a lot to be lost, yes, but I think it's a fact of life that smaller farmers will slowly disappear. It's difficult to justify investment sometimes. A lot of people say it needs to happen, we need to become more efficient, and you know the only way that we're going to compete is by being much, much more efficient and really on every single moment. But I truly believe there's a place for a small farming units, not least because the people... I mean, you haven't got any kids, have you? But, no. but I would have loved to have brought my kids up on a small holding or mm. a small farm just because of the freedom. That's exactly it, yeah. You can, yeah. If you can have a row with someone, you can go outside and there's no walls containing you, no hedges, no neighbours, nothing. You can have a proper knockdown, drag out, scream and <laughs> sort it out. And that's the end of that. You get bored in the end, punching each other, whatever you do. It's a healthier way. You deal with stuff. That's right. As opposed yeah. to hem it you all do. in. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And society would benefit from more and more people being given that, I don't know, air, freedom. Yeah, like I say, it's, it's a lifestyle and it's a, it's a very privileged lifestyle. Because it makes you happy. 
Mm. And that is the ultimate yeah. key of the... Yeah, I, I would say 95% of my time, I'm reasonably happy. Yeah. Don't come near me the other 5%. <laughs> so what gets you going then? What's, what upsets you? Uh, inanimate objects that break down and, and won't, <laughs> won't work. I go ballistic. <laughs> I sometimes have to go for a little walk around the yard to calm down. And then what, after you find it from where you've thrown it, what do you do then? Well, pick it up and take it back and start again, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not uncommon. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a whole meaning of life in this <laughs> conversation. So do you actually hit the items? I've been able to strike them. I normally throw the spanner as far as I can. Then, like you say, you end up walking across the yard to pick it up, don't you? And uh, by that time, you think, well, I'll have to have another go because that's got to be done. What have you got in the ground this year, Roger? Did you get it all in? That's the first question. No, no. We've got uh, arable marshes, mm-hmm. um, which were in continuous wheat. I managed to plough them, and I haven't been on them since. So there's no wheat in the ground. At home, I've got some awful-looking barley, winter barley, in the ground at home, and I've got some half-tidy-looking oilseed rape at home. Oh, you have some envy. You, can get, you need a farm walk so you can show people what it looks like because there's some really ugly-looking oilseed rape. I, I noticed that on the journey here today, there's some really ordinary bits of rape around, and there are some, some better bits, but I haven't seen a real cracking crop of rape. So the barley, winter barley, obviously. Yeah, well, electrum, molten barley, hopefully. It's not on, happy. On the upland. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's not happy. And, and, and the marsh um, is just going to be abandoned, that's it? No, I shall put spring barley in some of them. Okay. Some of it I shall follow, but uh, the better ones I'll... I'll and how many, how many more weeks have you got before you can realistically get anywhere near it? Depends on the spring, Andrew. If we get dry wind, sun, wind from the east, it'll soon dry up. It'll be horrible underneath, but you've just got to be patient. It's a while before we can get anywhere near them. You know, they're all underdrained and um, they're quite easy work in marshes, but obviously... With the weather we've had, they're very, very wet at the moment. Mm. It's wind from the west for a while yet, isn't it? Is that so? It seems seems yeah. to be yeah, stuck we've got with another it. storm on the way this weekend. So they say. Over at Acle, that I do for somebody else, we got a mixture of stuff in the rape we put in, and that we've abandoned that. What you'll plough it up? Yeah, it never did come from anything. Set plant the rape, it didn't come. I only then ordered some winter barley seed to put in. That sits in the shed. I've now ordered spring barley seed to put in there. But we have got some molten barley and some wheat in at Acle. So. Okay. That's good, that's at but least... None of that looks very promising. No, I mean, I guess that, you know, March is the month that the weather turns sunny and that there's a. it's always a day somewhere in March where you feel so good about the world, don't you? Well, that's right, yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's March. that day we're waiting for, it's not going to come till the 15th yeah. at least. Well, the old saying is that if March comes in like a lion, it goes out like a lamb. Is this a lion? I suppose well, if is. we've got a storm on Sunday... Yeah, I suppose that'll do. I mean, it's going to kind of get a tab us. It's going to be up north again, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the West yeah. are having a miserable time. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, my heart goes out to those people up there. Absolutely, that, that, yeah. But, you know, they just cannot function at the moment. It's not rubbing it in. If anyone in the West of the country is listening, we're just fortunate. We know we're fortunate. We've been able to get on largely, not as well as we really wanted, but we've got on and our crops are there. And there's people with just stuff underwater and it's mm. never going to get there is it well no you know not only have got the land underwater they've got the farmstead underwater as well which must be absolutely terrible it's like I say you just cannot function until it goes away and you've got no control over that any observations for someone who when you retire from farming mm. what do you think will happen to your land when i retire which is probably nine years time or thereabouts the farm will come to the market there are already a number of very interested parties Hello, Roger, me old mate. Hey, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you always got on well, didn't we? Surprising how many friends you get when landers for sale. There'll be more now. They'll be round. There are a lot of young, thoughtful, 
enterprising people out there who might come into agriculture and I'd like to think that someone could get a start on my farm and do something different I mean we're, you know with the broad and the area we're in the potential for tourism there is quite as a diversification yeah yeah product. Perhaps that should be done sooner rather than later because we can't all have a caravan site and we can't all have a glamping site coming out, otherwise we'll overdo it. And if you do it, even now, you've got to do something just that little bit better than somebody else. You have, yeah. Yeah. Or you've got to have yeah. a completely original idea. Yeah, that's right. And the basic service, if you, if you said you did have a caravan park, you also then have to spend a lot of time dealing with the general public. Yes, yeah, that is the bit I'm not comfortable with. I, I'm very comfortable with my own company. You're, you're charming. You're always very yeah. smiley and happy and nice. <laughs> yeah, but, if but you, I, if you I do enjoy my all own. the time. Would yeah. you? I don't like people watching me. No, I've got to say, following our free beer. Well, you mm. know we do beer, Roger. I don't know if you, that, you can. Yes, I, I, yes, I, it's I, the way we yeah. trade beer on a Friday. Mm. We had a very kind person from Yorkshire sent us a couple of free beers. I did see that particular podcast. So yes. Guess what yes. turned up in the post this week. A free beer. Yeah, from... it did. It was actually sent from someone who's appeared on the podcast, uh, David Wright, who's a flour miller at Ponder's End, and he's my mate. Yeah. And he said, I heard your free beer. And just to prove that we can absolutely always be bought, if anyone sends us a free beer, they get a big, big mention. So, you know, Wright's flour mills, we love them. We like a flour miller, and David Wright is the man. Absolutely. It... I never met the fellow, but he's an absolutely fine fellow. Yeah, well, he is. Yeah, and yeah. what's more, he doesn't brew the stuff. He said... Would you kindly review this on your podcast? He said, because they're really nice people. And so it's not even his product. This is Glebe Farm Foods Limited, Kings Ripton, Huntington, Cambridgeshire. I want everyone listening here to a little, make an association. You send me a free beer and we big you up on our podcast. And obviously with the many hundreds of thousands of listeners that we have, it ramps sales up markedly. The bill go viral, won't it? There's no two ways about that. Well, I think they're going to struggle to cope. Yeah. So this week, we are going to be trying some Wellington Bomber Porter from Glebe Farm. And uh, thank you, David Wright, for sending it up. Just for the little lowdown or the marketing issue on the, on the reason it's called Wellington Bomber. Apparently, on the 2nd of September 1942, a Wellington Bomber crashed in the fields of Glebe Farm. The plane set off from Warboys four miles away and crashed shortly after takeoff. It was heavily laden with bombs and six crew. Apparently, unfortunately, out of the six men on board, only three survived. So three of them did survive, and the others are buried locally. So in memory of those brave men, we have Wellington Bomber Porter. So I'm now going to crack that open. There. What your job now, Roger, is to sample it... And yes. then give your opinion of it. Right. Well, here goes then. And, and this yeah, is bought for you by um, David Wright of GR Wright. So yeah. never say flour millers are bad people, all right? Yeah. Good health to David Wright. And that's yeah. That is a porter, isn't it? That is a very much very sort of uh, syrupy, stickly, dark. It's one of those cold winter night beers. I reckon it's not not a light summer ale, is it? Do you drink porter normally? Or what are you a, a bitter man? Anything really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this beer hits the spot, don't yeah, it? That's right. It's, yeah, that's, is, it's, uh, it's a good um, Friday morning beer. Yeah. Good, yeah, good opener, like, throat opener, as Ollie would say. You're on the um, several committees in the parish council. I'd like to make a complaint about shoddy workmanship. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very thick-skinned. Well, 42 years ago, my brother got a load of free woodwork tools there's a that, trust that gives yeah. apprentices that's the harold's charity the, yeah. the harold charity yeah. so that gives apprentices money towards education and tools or tools and yeah that's right that does yeah it's still in existence yeah. which is great yeah. yeah so some so some philanthropic person several decades ago said mm. right i'm going to make sure 
people from this village benefit who, haven't, who aren't so well off. Mm-hmm. So my brother, who, who became a boat builder, applied and he got given loads of free woodwork tools, which are worth a fortune, really good woodwork tools for a young lad was mm-hmm. godsend. So as a thank you to the village, he repaired the seat round the old oak tree. I know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. I'd just like to say that he obviously didn't do it very well at all, did he? Because they've taken them down now, haven't they? <laughs> it's been repaired uh, since, mm-hmm. but recently it became rotten. The ironwork had grown into the tree and was apparently causing the tree distress. Yeah. And See, I knew he'd ob- done something obviously, well. I knew at the time he'd done something bad. Uh, we did inquire about a price for getting it replaced, you know, in its current form. It was astronomical. and I um, think you should call back the original workman and say, Oi, David, come on, fix it. Well, we'd give it a try. but um, <laughs> And then, of course, there's its proximity to the road, so there are health and safety issues nowadays. There was talk of having to erect a barrier between that and the road. Well, so the person sitting on the seat at the old oak tree in the middle of South Wilson yeah. Green might leap up and fling themselves into the road. Under, under a bus. And it would be yes. your responsibility. Yeah, if he could see a bus, of course, because we don't get them anymore. So if someone said, right, I'll sponsor the village seat to be repaired, and you got a workman who he was paid to do it, would they say, no, it's too dangerous, you can't be bothered? It could be accommodated, it just wouldn't be in its previous form no it'd have the front by the road taken off that's right so you yeah. can't actually sit yeah. in the sun anymore but it's amazing how many people used to use that seat even when it was fallen to fallen to bits you know yeah. we get a great many cyclists nowadays as, as they are everywhere and they they would stop there and and you know for a rest and they'd sit on that seat and um, watch the world go by for a few minutes and regain their strength and off they'd go again but yeah that is that's a shame that's had, had to go but but so health and safety and um, no, I, I, all, all I'll say is that uh, you know all those years ago, Golden Balls, my elder brother was obviously did the village seat, made things out of wood every two weeks, just was like the man, idiot yeah. boy, played football. That's about all he could do. So I'm vaguely tempted to uh, to make an offer to the village of South Walsham that if I provide the wood and the and a decent uh, plan that yeah. fits with health and safety. Mm-hmm. And I commissioned my brother and tell him because he did such a shoddy job, he's got to do it again. I'd like to. We, we'd welcome discussions. Okay, well, yes. I'd like you, you, you to put indeed. that into the air in South Walsham and uh, see who votes against it. Thank you very much, Andrew. That's a my very, very um, generous. Well, that's a good offer. way, a good way to finish it. But I've, I've got to tell you, Roger, I've and thoroughly... keep your brother out of mischief for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, when there was a village policeman, he used to come up every sort of month or so. And to the point where it was, they never used to ask about. I was good. I was so good. Mm. But he used to just put his uh, Night at the Opera LP on the thing and pretend he was doing his own work, jump out the window and go and cause mischief down there. My parents were oblivious to his complete youthful yeah. enthusiasm. Yeah. And so PC Dean would turn up periodically and go, What a brilliant <clears throat> village Bobby. Yeah. yeah. He used to play centre half for South Walsham. So yeah. if you didn't think wrong, right. he would yeah. say, yeah. All right, boy, don't do it again. Yeah. Bill Dean, Dixie Dean was his name, wasn't he? He was the village bob. He used to turn up in his minivan. When I was very, very young, we used to sell eggs. My mother used to have some chickens. We used to sell eggs at the door, and Dixie used to come down and, and collect his eggs. He rolled up there one afternoon, and my friend Stuart Kurtz and I had got the 12 ball out in my parents' absence, and we were shooting at a telephone pole. And um, <laughs> Dixie Dean came round, and, of course, we both went very, very quiet, and um, he said, you didn't really ought to be doing that. We had the air gun out as well, so he then set a target up on the cow shed door and taught us how to shoot the air gun. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Brilliant. No, that is brilliant, brilliant village policeman, isn't it? You know, yeah, no, and, that is. And he was the only policeman who used to go into the young farmers' meeting about quarter past 11 when they were still drinking and just stick his head round the door and say, um, 
that's a bit slippery outside. Be careful how you go home when you go home. <laughs> and that, that did the trick. They all no, drunk up uh, and went home. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. and happy memories. Yeah. Good. Roger, thank you so much for coming in. I hope you've enjoyed it. Well, I did. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewandgrain. The Dewing Grain Podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.